Dying doesn't always come easy. With hypoxia, the cell goes to plan B. Hypoxia is a physiological clue that impacts diverse physiological processes, including energy metabolism, uh, autophagy, cell mortality, autogenesis, and erythropoiesis. One of the key cell autonomous, autonomous effects of hypoxia is as a modulator of cell proliferation. For most cell types, hypoxia induces de decreased cell proliferation, since an induced number of cells with a consequent increase in oxygen demand would only exacerbate hypoxic stress. However, certain cell populations maintain cell proliferation in the face of hypoxia. This is common pathological hallmark of cancers, but can also serve as a physiologic function as of the maintenance of stem cell populations that reside in a hypoxic niche. The production of energy requires oxygen. The electron transport chain, which the majority of adenosine triphosphate is formed, requires a large input of oxygen. However, many organisms have developed strategies to carry out metabolism without oxygen or can switch from anaerobic to aerobic cell respiration when oxygen is scarce. During cellular respiration, some living systems use an organic molecule as the final electron acceptor. Processes that use organic molecules to regenerate and are from NA, uh, NAD and NADH are collectively referred to as fermentation. In contrast, some living systems use an inorganic molecule as a final electron receptor. Both methods are called anaerobic cellular respiration, where organisms convert energy for their use in the absence of oxygen. The fermentation method used by animals and certain bacteria, like those in yogurt, is called lactic acid fermentation. The type of fermentation is used routinely in mammalian red blood cells and in, in skeletal muscle that has insufficient oxygen supply to allow aerobic respiration to continue, that is, in muscles used to point of fatigue. The excess amount of lactate in these muscles is what causes the burning sensation in your legs while running. This pain is a signal to the rest of the overworked muscle that, so they can recover. In these muscles, lactic acid accumulation must be removed by the blood circulation and the lactate brought to the liver for further metabolism. Hypoglycemia. Hypoglycemia is often defined as a plasma glucose concentration below 70 milligrams per deciliter. However, signs and symptoms may not occur until plasma glucose concentrations drop below 55 milligrams per deciliter. The symptoms of Whipple's triad have been used to describe hypoglycemia since 1938. For the Whipple's triad, the practitioner must first recognize hypoglycemia symptoms, obtain low gl blood glucose, and finally demonstrate immediate relief of symptoms by the correction of the low blood glucose after treatment. The body has an apparent Inherent counter-regulatory mechanism to prevent hypoglycemic episodes. All of these counter-regulatory mechanisms include the interplay of hormones and neurosignals to regulate the release of endogenous insulin, to increase hepatic glucose output, and to alter peripheral glucose utilization. Among the counter-regulatory mechanisms, the regulation of insulin production plays a major role. Decrease in insulin production as a response to low serum glucose isn't the body's first line of defense against hypoglycemia. For endogenous glucose production to take place, particularly hepatic glucogenesis, low, uh, low insulin levels are necessary. As plasma glucose levels decline, beta cell secretion of insulin also decreases, leading to increased hepatic and renal glucogenesis and hepatic glyco glyco glycogenolysis.
Glycogenolysis maintains serum glucose levels over 8 to 12 hours until glycogen stores are depleted. Over time, hepatic glucogenesis contributes more to maintaining euglemia, euglycemia when required. Infection. Infection does not necessarily lead to disease. Infection occurs when viruses, bacteria, and other microbes enter your body and begin to multiply. Disease, which typically happens in small proportion of infected people, occurs when the cells of your body are damaged as a result of the infection and signs and symptoms of the illness appear. In addition to infection, your immune system springs into action. White blood cells, antibodies, and other mechanisms go to work to rid your body of the foreign invader. Indeed, many of the symptoms that make a person suffer during infection, fever, malaise, headache, rash, result from the activities of your immune system trying to eliminate the infection from your body. Pathogenic microbes challenge the immune system in many ways. Viruses make us sick by killing cells or disrupting cell functions. Our bodies often respond with fever. Heat inactivates many viruses. The secretion of a chemical called interferon, which blocks viruses from reproducing, or by marshalling the immune system's abilities or antibodies and other cells to target the invader. Many bacteria make us sick the same way, but they also have other strategies at their disposal. Sometimes bacteria multiply so rapidly they crowd out the host tissues and disrupt normal functions. Sometimes they kill cells and tissues outright. Sometimes they make toxins that, pl- that can paralyze, destroy cells, metabolic machinery, or precipitate a massive immune reaction that's itself toxic. Sepsis is the body's extreme response to an infection. It is a life-threatening medical emergency. Sepsis happens when an infection you already have triggers a chain reaction through your body. Infections that lead to sepsis often start in the lung, urinary tract, skin, or gastrointestinal tract. Without timely treatment, sepsis can rapidly lead to tissue damage, organ failure, and death. Infections can put you and your loved one at risk for sepsis. When germs get into a person's body, they can cause an infection. If they don't stop that infection, it can cause sepsis. Bacterial infections cause most cases of sepsis. Sepsis can also be a result of other infections, including viral infections such as COVID-19 or influenza.